On today's podcast, a lot of NBA, a lot of life advice. Little tales from the couch, run through four games. And John Krasinski, who covers the Timberwolves, he's been doing it 20 years. Is this team a real title contender? That Clippers win was nice on Monday. And we have a ton of feedback baked into life advice. So it's a long one. Enjoy. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. We start today's podcast, little NBA tales from the couch. We'll be sprinkling this in a little bit more. All right, we start with really a tale from Monday night's game, and that's Minnesota's win at the Clippers. We'll have John Krasinski on, obviously, later to go a little bit deeper into this, so a little bit of an overlap and some of the thoughts I have here that I'll ask him about. Um, they've gotten L.A. twice now. Uh, when you go back and look at the season series, you have to double-check and be like, who was playing, who wasn't playing. Clippers, for the most part, were healthy in both these games. The length on the perimeter is a real thing. When you look at how McDaniels is assigned defensively to Kawhi, you've got Ant on Paul George. Alexander Walker's been a better defensive player. Like if you're not going to have like perfect matchups throughout all of it, then you can put one of the tall guys if you want to on Harden. Um, there's just a nice, nice set of guys. And then on top of everything else, you know, you just have length and bodies, and there's value to just being big at times. Because when the Clippers are rolling and they're getting their side-to-side action and then all of a sudden it feels like the paint is just there for him and Kawhi doesn't even need that much room because he's so much stronger and how well he's played this year. You know, Kawhi gets that shoulder into you and then does the little step back and it just goes in every single time. You could tell it was like, oh, wait, this is going to be a lot harder. So I thought that was was incredible as far as that win, how dominant it was. And, you know, that kind of happens throughout the course of the games. It's like, oh, wait, I thought everybody liked the Clippers. It's like, all right, well, they lost. They lost a game to what looks like a pretty good team here in Minnesota. So some of the things I was looking for, I actually watched Ty Lue's press conference after because I thought, like, is this one of those matchups? Is this one of those matchups for as great as the Clippers have been? Or it's like, man, if they actually have to play Minnesota earlier in the playoffs or in the Western Conference Finals, like, do you have to pick Minnesota in the matchup? So we know that the Clippers don't pass. Uh, they're last in the NBA in passes per game. Uh, they're eight less passes per game than Dallas. Touches per game, their last, which is a correlation of the passes anyway, which you'd expect. There's 370 touches per game by the Clippers. Sacramento, just a little comparison, number one in the NBA with 432. But in the two games specifically against Minnesota, Kawhi's 22-7-3, and 47-50% shooting splits. We're talking from the floor overall in threes. But Paul George, 17-5-3, and 29-29%. Again, small sample of just two games. Then you've got Harden at 16, one and a half boards, uh, seven assists, 33 from the floor, 29% on threes. You also have the Westbrook part of this. Who's, his energy in this role, now that he's accepted it, now that he had to go to a million different teams in a very short amount of time, um, you know some of this Lakers stuff with Westbrook that still gets brought up at least out here 
constantly on like whose fault is it? Uh, look, you know, you sometimes you have to get it kicked in a few times before you accept kind of where you're at. And if Westbrook had been more accepting of who he was at that point, with the Lakers, maybe it all works out a little bit better. And maybe the LeBron stuff was really tough for him to deal with. And I could even be sympathetic to Westbrook on part of that. But you've seen through this run that Westbrook's energy has these moments, despite, look, I'm never going to love his game, so we can just put that one to bed. But he'll have these moments where just the other team can't match his energy, even at a later stage of his career. Like, you never, you can never question Westbrook for how hard he wants to try in a game. And the way they've, they've filtered him in, where he's actually played with, like, the other really good players, I feels like a little bit more and more on some of the rotation patterns. But against Minnesota, what you're trying to do is find a way to have Gobert play against a small lineup, which we've seen be borderline disastrous in some playoff series. But yet, what you have is then all of a sudden it's like, well, nobody's going to guard him. They're just not going to guard him. So now you have five defending four, and they'll live with Westbrook, who who's played 29 minutes a game in both games against Minnesota, who shot... 32% overall from the floor. He's actually hit threes at a really nice clip at 43%. But if it's three and a half attempts per game, Minnesota can live with that. So the question we have after these two games is like, wait, does Minnesota kind of kill that small lineup? Kind of, you know, the Clippers seem to go to it a lot. Look, they should go to it a lot. When you have the three guys with Norman Powell, or if you want to go with Coffee and however you want to align Westbrook with the starters or only one of the other starters. Like the Clippers should definitely unveil that. But if that's one of their, hey, something's going wrong here. I've seen it with Phoenix. Hey, we don't really like how we are right now. You know what? Let's try to, they try to go to, to close small against Atlanta when they'd lost down there. Uh, we'll get to the Phoenix lineup against Sacramento here in a bit, but they went with KD at the five. You'll see teams go to it. And then, of course, we crush it when it doesn't work. But I wonder if Minnesota's like, cool, go small and go small with Westbrook. And you guys can do whatever you want. But we're not going to change. We're not going to be worried about it. And now on top of everything else, you're going to go small and everything's going to be clogged up because we're going to absolutely ignore Westbrook in the small lineups. So that might be something Ty Lue has to look at. Uh, the other side of the going small against Rudy Gobert teams has been that it's not necessarily what happens to him defensively with a smart point guard or just an unstoppable point guard and switch. And look, Rudy's had so many switches this year against small pruner players where he holds up. And you're just like, God, that is so impressive and how how much better he is this year defensively. But the problem was you weren't getting the benefit of him being big against your small lineup on the other side because you just didn't really trust him all that much with the ball. And I don't. I don't. I think he's one of the worst players in the league with the ball in his hands. But against the Clippers, it's not about post moves and dribble, drop step and all that stuff. It's man, <laughs> I don't there's nobody here for me to worry about. You're not going to get a play run for him necessarily. But he's 16 and 14 in those two games. And is 28, 8 and 7, 53% shooting from the floor. He hasn't hit many threes, but Ant gets to the free throw line against the Clippers more than he does over the course of the season. Nine against the Clippers, six and a half, which feels kind of low for Ant. Um, look, and I also love that Minnesota brought it in the fourth quarter last night against Portland. It was kind of a weird game. It's kind of one of those schedule losses. You beat LA in LA back to back. You go up to Portland, you don't take them seriously. You know, you're you're still feeling yourself after beating the Clippers, which has been the best team in the NBA for two months. And then they put it on Portland in the fourth quarter, 37 points, and Ant goes for 41. And I'm telling you, 
they subbed him out right after. Like he got down in a defensive stance up 19 with like three plus minutes to go where you would have thought the game was tied against Boston. You know what I mean? Like you would have thought, okay, this possession means everything right now defensively. We need a stop. It's like, no, you don't. You're up 19. I love that from him. By the way, a little love for Scoot. 14 and nine. He'd missed a week. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe some things slowing down for him a little bit. Felt a little bit better about him. Didn't love the uh, Banton ISOs when Cook, or excuse me, when it felt like Scoot was cooking a bit more. It kind of worked for him. He had 10 free throw attempts, but my God, can you imagine being like Anthony Simons going, what, we brought this dude in who doesn't really play anywhere, and now he's going to initiate a ton of offensive possessions. Let's go to Phoenix. They outlast Sacramento last night. It was supposed to be, and it technically still is, Booker, Beal, and KD's 22nd game playing all together. Uh, but Beal played five minutes, left with a hamstring. He's out tonight. Everybody's optimistic. They're always optimistic in the beginning, a lot like relationships. Sacramento's up 87-85 in the third. Booker had an awful start to this game, 2 of 11 for seven points when he stepped to the free throw line. Then he started to go off. Sabonis, the numbers are incredible. I mean, he just keeps stacking these ridiculous numbers. Third straight triple-double, 35-18-12. and 12. Sacramento's killing Phoenix in the paint, getting deep at the rim whenever they want. And then Vogel had the Duran at the five Nurkic decision where later in the fourth quarter, like he tried to ride it out without Nurkic for a while. Phoenix hits a three-point barrage. They'd also had a weird stretch where Herter was getting yelled at by Mike Brown around 10 minutes left to go in the game because of being late on whatever defensively they wanted to do. I think it was just as simple as showing or staying with the screener. And I don't think he didn't even come back into the game. So anyway, Phoenix is hunting Herder first, then Monk, and then bringing Sabonis out and switches. Durant was definitely looking to do that more, which leads to the other side of the Sabonis coin. But then Sabonis on the other side is just destroying everybody. Just camped out at the rim. Offensive rebounds off of misses. Great assist. His pass, like his numbers... <laughs> It, you almost feel guilty being like, yeah, he's pretty good. It's like, man, the numbers make this guy a Hall of Famer when you look at them all. Um, Royce O'Neal coming over, has a huge three late. Booker over the stretch of closing this game out after the slow start. He had three ISO mid-range pull-ups. I don't know what to do with Booker when he has it like that. He's one of my favorite players in the league. That ISO mid-range pull-up thing when he gets to his spot, it's it's basically unstoppable. Then Durant throws in a few of those. So Phoenix is pulling away here late. They're, despite a weird turnover from Durant where he didn't pay any attention to what was happening behind him, Fox knocks it loose. They get a three. Now it's a one-point game when they were up on the possession and score. Um, but ultimately, the O'Neal three was such a big shot. So basically, we're looking at like free throws, and they're trying to stop the clock and, and get guys to the line. Something happened last night that does not happen very often. Booker's fouled by Sabonis on an inbounds, and Sabonis or excuse me, Booker loses the basketball. So live, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Was it even a foul or Booker, Booker turn it over? Like, let's challenge it. Sabonis so looked at the bench and was shaking his head going, don't challenge it. Don't. And as we saw in the replay, he clearly hacks Booker's arm. We don't see that very often where the player is telling his own bench in a huge spot and he's like, don't, don't even do it. Don't challenge it. They didn't. Offensive rebound on a missed free throw. And that's game. Phoenix has won 13-17. Now we have a Beal question again, who's missed basically half the season. Sacramento, 23-14 and 14 to start the year, 7-9 and nine in their last 16 games. Phoenix is the five seed, but five, or excuse me, four behind Denver. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now with them. 
Let's talk about Boston and Brooklyn. They beat the Nets in Brooklyn last night, up 16 to start the fourth quarter. This game got to 111-105 with 249 left. Derek White hit basically like the biggest three after this big Nets run. Tatum had 31 at the half. He finished with 41. So the late Celtics stuff, I hear about it all the time. I'm borderline obsessed trying to figure out what it is or what it isn't. I know what my eyes tell me. Then I look at the numbers and I go, there's just not as much in there as you would think unless you want to talk about settling. So let's run over some stuff because we get a lot here. Fourth quarter net rating for Boston. It's third best in the NBA. It can be a little weird at times. Utah's second. Um, you could also have blowouts where you know the other team comes back and then it screws up your net rating in the fourth quarter. But if that were the case, then they wouldn't have the third best in the NBA. The offense in the clutch for Boston, right? You're thinking, oh, it probably dips down there a little bit. You know, don't love what I see all the time. They have the fourth best clutch offense in the NBA. Okay, there's too many isolations. Is it that? Whoa, wait. They have the fourth most isolations run over the course of a game. I don't know that I always love the isolation tracking number based on the totals, but this number exists for all 30 teams. So how does Boston match up? Or with most, are they efficient on those? Well, they're seventh in points for possession on the ISOs. What about drives? This is something else I've looked at. Do they settle a little bit too much? Maybe we have something here finally. They're 27th in drives per game. And they're 20th on free throw attempts per game for a team, right, in the NBA. So are we getting closer to trying to figure something out? Let's look at the shot charts. 40% of their... Shots are threes. It's the most in the league, but they're seventh in three-point percentage. In the fourth quarter, 47% of their shots in the fourth quarter are threes, right? That's number one in the league. It dips down to 10th, but it's not necessarily disastrous from three points. So now when I start looking at it, I go, well, let's look at their free throw frequency. Let's look at the free throw rate on some of this stuff. If you just go pick and roll ball handler, ball ends up with the ball handler. They have the third worst free throw frequency of any team. You're going to be running a lot of high or just any pick and roll in the NBA. You're going to be running a lot of that, especially with guys like Tatum and everybody that can initiate kind of their own offense, keep the ball. Wait, they're not getting to the free throw line very much. Does that mean they're just taking a lot of threes off of that? There could be the correlation to that. So when I started looking at threes, They have the most shots from 25 to 29 feet and the fourth fewest shots at the rim. So that's why we have less free throws. But here's what I thought was maybe the most informative part of trying to figure this all out. Like, are they not taking enough free throws in games overall or late in games? And that's what's leading to just something we don't like, feeling like they're not aggressive enough feeling like they're settling. How about this number? If you look at isolation possessions in the NBA, top five players, it's Luka, Embiid, Tatum, SGA, and Ant, all right? Ranging from Luka having 7.3 isolations. Again, this just ends up being like a purest definition of isolation, not necessarily like, I mean, clearly Luka has more than seven possessions a game, but by this standard, Luka's first, his free throw frequency is 18.5%. Embiid's is 17.6. SGA's at 21. Ant, who everybody thinks doesn't get any calls, is at 13.5. Tatum is last 
at 11.7. So he's third in these isolation possessions in the NBA for player, and he's not even close to these other guys in free throw frequency. So I guess what I'm saying here is that we're, we just need him to flop more. <laughs> he needs to cheat the game a little bit more. Because we start baking all these numbers together, and you're like, yep, and they're still winning 75% of the games. So it may be these moments, some lingering playoff stuff that isn't accurate, but there aren't these staggering numbers. Yet they settle for a few too many threes, which leads to not getting enough free throws, and that's fine. But if you look at this number, in comparison to their number one option all the time, he just doesn't get to the free throw line enough. And maybe that's part of a solution to what is still kind of a minor problem on the scale of problems for teams in the league this year. We close with Oklahoma City's win at Orlando. Shaq on the call with Stan Van Gundy, which is kind of funny if you think about the history there. Um, but it's cool. Older guys end up working out everything. Here's the point. Uh, younger teams. Both teams looking ahead to the future. Oklahoma City, obviously better this year. A little bit more of a sense of who they are. So it's still early for the Magic, but it's 127-113. Uh, SG had eight points at the half and only two free throw attempts for, like he was 3 of 11. So you're like, man, they're down and that's what's happening with SGA. But Jay Williams, the good one, uh, Jalen Williams, excuse me, he had 33 over the course of the game, stepped up when SGA struggled. By the way, SGA was fine. He ended up with uh, an absurd final tally on this one because he went off in the second half. So really this kind of comes down to something that's really, really easy to look at. It's just the three-point shooting. Like Oklahoma City shot it better from three. They were 41%. Orlando was 31%. Orlando's 29th in the league, three-point percentage. It's a massive problem for a team that I think a lot of us really enjoy watching because of the players on it. Um, and there's another part with Oklahoma City that I just love. I love what their staff, I, I just I love what they represent, which is so rare for a young team. And that's just kind of understanding how to get open looks. And SGA's the anchor of it because you're worried about him in this mini Giannis wall defensive thing that you have to deal with with how good he is on his drives and how good he is at getting the free throw line. And on top of everything else, he can shoot. But if you watch them on drives, the off-ball offensive players are really good at moving around and just resetting their positioning. And it's my favorite thing. It's the easiest thing to do at every level of basketball. Everybody should be doing it. Just because somebody else has the ball and they're driving doesn't mean that now the position is over for you. And I actually think it's a great habit to get into. And it also is going to lead to open shots in the playoffs. Instead of some of these teams that still even in playoff games, like, oh, I don't have the ball. I'm just a stretch three now. And I'm going to stand here in the corner and never, ever just reset left or right 10 feet, you know, make the defensive player have to move a little bit. Maybe you're bringing him further away from a potential offensive rebound chance. And Oklahoma City for a young team, watch them. They, they do this really well. So that led to a bigger picture thing. We're going to bring in Saruti. It's our monthly bum out Saruti segment. So I'm looking at it and I'm going, you're going to hate this. Top four players on both teams. And this is also understanding SGA's been around a lot longer, okay, than Paolo has, than Franz has. Yeah. So this is this is unfair. I'm saying that it's unfair. But I was up for this game. I know you were up for it too over a decade of not being on TNT. Magic, baby. Magic basketball. We're doing it. We're back. But tell me when I'm wrong here. Okay. Top four players for both teams. SGA's better than Paolo. 
No debate. No argument from anyone. Jalen Williams won better than Franz. Yeah. Yep. I thought I might get a little pushback there. No, I wouldn't. I mean, if you wanted to say, I mean, there were plenty of people last night saying that, oh, you know, should Jalen have gone? Was he the best player in that draft? Which I just, I just hate that. Because I really like Jalen. And it like makes me like kind of not like him because if we're going to compare him to Paolo, like they're just doing two completely different things. They're being asked to do two. If you put Jalen... If you put Paolo on this on this Thunder team, like, do you think he wouldn't be freaking awesome? Do you think, like, as the number two guy, maybe even number three on some nights because they have chat that, like, Paolo wouldn't be more efficient or wouldn't be a better or look like a better player? I mean, it's just a better system overall. Paolo's being asked to do so much more than Jalen is, and somehow we're still having this debate because Paolo's not the most efficient player in the world in his second year as the number one option <laughs> on a playoff team and an all-star that all of a sudden this guy who's a second, maybe third option on the Thunder is better than him. I just, I just hate the conversation. But if you're saying it's Franz versus Jalen, I wouldn't argue with that. No, Jalen's better. You're upset we haven't even got to all four here. So, uh, look, Paolo last night had one possession where I looked down. He was kind of baseline about 12 feet out. There, he was being triple teamed. And so pa- it was up to Paolo to go, all right, I'm going to have to hit some hero shots here because he Suggs did. cooled off. Franz was bad. I mean, Franz and Paolo were both he was really bad. bad in the first half, and Suggs was the only one that kept it going. You know, and then you had one point where Isaac decided to put it between his legs and try to take it off the dribble from the three point line. And I was like, all right. So Love that. Orlando doesn't have enough shooting and they can get really bogged down. And when you look at the Palo efficiency stuff, I'm just telling folks, we're on the same page here. Look at how hard some of the shots are when he's like, well, I guess I'll just do this. And the crazy thing is for those two weeks that we talked about end of December into January, a lot of times it was even working. So I always feel like when somebody hits you with the efficiency stuff on Paolo, I'm like, I don't know that you're watching enough of this to see how tough the offense is for him. And these turn into bailout positions. Anyway, all right. Paolo defensive rant over. Um, So we're on the same page, SGA. We're on the same page, Jalen Williams, Franz. Although I think there's a chance that one could be closer later on. Well, Uh, Franz had a bad, a really bad game last night. He... Didn't shoot it well. He had a bunch of turnovers. But let's not forget, like, he scored a 34-plus in three of the last four games, and they've won, I think, all of those games. So Okay. Let's not forget right. that, then. Let's not <laughs> he's forget been that. has been all right. Okay, so if we're going third-best player on the Thunder against third-best player on the Magic, it's it's Chet Suggs. Hey, you got to take Chet. Got to take Chet. Because we could have done Giddy Suggs and then Chet Wendell, but... Either way, like, would you take Giddy over Suggs? No. I don't really no. get the Giddy thing. You um, don't. He's, he's fine. I kind of think he gets a little bit, like, maybe maybe he'd be better on another team. Like, if he, because he doesn't really need the ball a ton. They've got a bunch of other ball handlers. So, I, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Giddy fan in the world. And, yeah, there's no way that I would take Giddy over Suggs. I mean, Suggs, last night, you know, Suggs, what, he started off three for three from three. He was playing great defense. And then, you know, when the shot starts falling and other teams, teammates aren't playing super well, like he's not, I don't know that he's the one that's going to carry you for a full game like that. He could do it in stretches. But, you know, I will say to, to, to the Chet thing on that, though, there were some times when Chet was getting kind of bullied by by my guy, Mo Wagner. Like, that's the worry. If you have a guy who could just post him up, like he's going to, it's going to be a struggle for him. But if he's able to just kind of play help defense and just, be a monster and, and and you know attack guys that are coming to the basket. He's he he changed the game last night. But there were a couple times where I'm like, this is how you beat Chet. Yeah, I don't care about how bad somebody looks in the post because nobody's going to run enough post offense in a regular season yeah. game or an NBA playoff game where you're like, oh, we're susceptible to post ups. Doesn't fuck it. even when you have the massive advantage. There's still going to be three guys running around that want to take three pointers, even in the most Correct. intense playoff game. So you can be weak in the post defensively 
and it still not be a problem. The problem is, is when you're going up for rebounds over the course of a game, you're late in the fourth quarter and you've been getting your ass kicked on box outs because as mm-hmm. much as we all love Chet, I'm really surprised they couldn't figure out something else. This might be another lesson, by the way, in like the last couple of years are going, oh, all, there's always like a spare center. There's always a spare second or third rotational big that you can add de- the trade deadline or you can add in the buyout. And yet there's all these teams that I think should add one and then they don't. <laughs> and so it might be something where if you're a GM going into next year, you're like, hey, we're on the smaller side of things. Let's stop just banking on the other. We're just going to get one for free for like two second rounders. That's good enough to be in a playoff rotation because Sacramento is light up front. Okay. Um, Golden State was disastrously light up front in that Lakers series last year. Uh, it's going to happen here with Oklahoma City where there could be a time where you go, I really like this team. I don't care about the age part of it. Offensively, I think they think what they do offensively is pretty bankable in the postseason, but they're, it's not it's not Mo Wagner dropping a shoulder. I pronounced that name a little weird. It's Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, no. Yeah. I just wanted to Wagner. correct myself That's on fine. it. Keep it in. It's Keep it good. in. Yeah. Um, just holding myself accountable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Mo can drop the shoulder right into him and knock him back. I'm like, man, Chet's getting, but you just, okay, cool. What, what are you, you going to get six points on post touches here tonight? I know. So I tweeted it's not that out. A couple, I tweeted that out and a couple of people were like, cool, dude. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Maybe that wasn't my best tweet. I just got really excited <laughs> in the moment because we were, you know, the Magic were winning at that time. And I do like when Mo plays well because he's such like an aggressive asshole sometimes in a good way when he plays that I got a little caught up in the moment and, and had a tweet that I that I did that I kind of regret but I gave credit to Chet later because he did completely change the game defensively after that the magic could not Franz specifically like they were just going at him and he was just blocking shots and it was a disaster but to your point about the big stuff that's why that's why it confused me when like Wendell Carter Jr. was on the trade block because I'm like I don't think people realize how valuable that guy is like he hasn't had the best season but you don't just give that guy away at the trade deadline he's a He's a four slash. Yeah, he was, get, he was getting talked threes. about like he was Daniel Tice, and you're yeah, just like, like sure. What? If I'm trading him for like a like an actual foundational piece, all right, maybe he's expendable. But I'm not just going to trade him because like it's just hey, I don't know. We could just let him go. It didn't make sense to me. The Suggs defensive thing maybe gives you the Suggs Giddy argument, but I still think Giddy's the better player offensively. Really? Uh, even though Giddy's shooting from three has fallen off a cliff those last two months, and Suggs so, has been fantastic from three. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, but if you go through all of them, you know, that's really the only number. But then the defensive side of it, like Giddy's not bringing that the same way as Suggs. So let's leave it at this. If you go strictly the top four guys versus the top four guys, it's a sweep for Oklahoma City. But if you want to go big, Chet, Wendell, and then you go guard. Well, no, guard. it's not a sweep because you asked me Giddy versus Suggs. So I said, I said Suggs over Giddy. Right? Yeah, but here's the problem is Giddy's actually the fourth best player on the Thunder. Okay. So that's if fair. we're going rule top four, top four. But the only thing I was doing there was a positional thing, but nobody would take Giddy over Chet at this stage. No. If you're asking, I mean, I think if you're asking me, like I, I didn't think coming in this game the Magic were even on a Thunder's level. I, I yeah, that's that's also totally like, I'm not going, hey man, we got to rethink this whole Magic Thunder thing. <laughs> because Yeah, like they just, they're deep. They have, they have they're better. more shooting. Like yeah. they're just, they have the better, I mean, Shea might be the MVP of the league. <laughs> like it's, Shea last, I, I just, man, like he was, they, I don't want to say they shut him down in the first half. He he didn't shoot a ton. Jaylen Two free throw attempts for SGA and a half is awesome. That's a win. And then you're still down. And then the third quarter, it's like he like they couldn't do anything with him. Like I thought yeah. Suggs was still playing decent defense. He got a couple of dumb fouls that I, I thought were pretty questionable. They had Franz on him for a little bit. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That guy, 
his his game, he's so fun to watch. And that's the thing, too, about like Jalen's so fun to watch as well. Williams, like I don't dislike him, but I just don't like that argument. But he was killing it last night as well. But I think, you know, they're, it's so clear that they have they, their infrastructure is better. They have a better system, like their whatever sets they're running are better. And yeah, like some of their players are better, too. All right. That was more than a minute. And I think we're good. Tales from the couch. Check it still, out. Still feel good, though. We're fine. In line to be a playoff team. Continue to feel good. We love that. Love hearing that. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It feels like every show we're just kind of updating different things that we like from teams in the West. And Minnesota's win against the Clippers earlier this week was super impressive. And we're going to bring on a guy that I've been a big fan of. I've read him for a long time. He's covered the Timberwolves for 20 years. It's John Krasinski. Uh, and also part of the television package. It's one of my favorite <laughs> television broadcasts with Jim Pete, obviously, going back years and and Mike now with the team. So thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Ryan. I've, I've told you before, I'm a huge fan of the pod, huge fan of you and Sarudi and Kyle and everything you do. So uh, thanks for having me, man. Let's have some fun. So. Yeah, Kyle loves the Timberwolves, as you know. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, here's here's the thing about Minnesota's basketball team, and I can see this as it plays out. And again, social media isn't always the best indicator of how everybody feels, but it's a team that last year you're like, oh, okay, you know. And with the Ant stuff, kind of early through his career, I'm like, wait a minute, like I want to watch him more than maybe anybody in the league, not named Steph Curry. Um, no expectations last year. You get off to this incredible start. All the defensive numbers are off the charts. Everybody that was mad that they were getting criticized with the Gobert trade is now saying like everything's perfect, everything works out. And then I don't like necessarily using the term of the goalposts moving because that makes it seem like it's some invented thing that's unfair. I think the reality is, is when you have this kind of record, you have some of the stats that they have, as deep as the top of the West is, now we change the conversation about whether or not this team can actually win a championship. And any hesitation with that is met as if you're somehow doubting them. And I'm tough. It's tough for me when it's new, especially in basketball, it's tough for me to assume that it's going to work out over the course of four series. So you're with them every day. You've been with this franchise a really long time. So the long intro is basically to set up the question of who is this team? Man, it's a great question. We've been trying to figure it out the whole season, right? Um, they For the first two months of the year, you said this team absolutely can get to the finals, can even maybe win the finals with the right matchup, the way they play defense with how connected they were, 
Then they got into January and it was a swoon. And you were starting to see some of the fourth quarter numbers, all of these turnovers and mistakes that they were making. And it was starting to kind of dampen a little bit of the expectation and the spirit around the team. And Ryan, man, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves fans, Minnesota sports fans in general are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, and okay, when is the gut punch coming? And so when you saw them lose leads against Chicago, against San Antonio, against Charlotte, now you were starting to wonder a little bit more, is this team legitimate? I think they've stabilized themselves now over the last couple of weeks. And I do think right now, looking at what they have talent-wise in the starting five and the way they play defense, I think if they get the right matchups, they can go to the Western Conference Finals, maybe even deeper. But they can also, if they get the wrong matchup, lose in the first round. I mean, that's just the way that this team is right now, and they have a lot of work to do offensively. But um, but overall, when if you ask Chris Finch and Tim Connolly at the start of the season, hey, you're going to be in first place going into the All-Star break, and you're coaching the Western Conference All-Stars, they'd take that every every step of the way. Okay, so what's a good matchup for him in the playoffs? Yeah. Like, do you have, I mean, watching your team every night gives you a complete different level of understanding of who they are or who they aren't. And as much as I watch them, because I love Ant so much, I don't pretend to know every single nuance with them. And whenever I'll look at like season series stuff, I mean, it gets harder and harder going like, oh, hey, well, look at, they have a three and one record against them. Mm-hmm. So that's a good matchup. It's like, okay, now I got to go back and double check who played or who didn't play. You know, the Clippers were at full strength, essentially, except for Zubac in the first matchup. So you look at some of those numbers that I spent time on in the open, you're like, okay, maybe is that a good matchup for a Clippers team that's looked like the best team in the NBA now for two months? So can you give us, like, do you have an assessment of who you think, hey, this is a good matchup for them yeah. in the playoffs, this is a bad matchup? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in maybe the minority. I like the matchup against the Clippers because the Clippers have a bunch of guys that like to play isolation half-court offense. And I am telling you, man, you line up Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Nikhil Alexander-Walker against perimeter guys in the half-court in isolation, and they want to sink their teeth into them. And so I, I really like the styles of play in, in that series for the Timberwolves and just the way that they can get after all of those great Clipper uh, scores and, and really put them on lockdown. I like them against Oklahoma City. Um, I just think that there's going to be too much size for the for the Thunder. I think it would be a great series, six or seven games, but I think over the long haul of a series, the size of the Timberwolves would wear Oklahoma City down and they would be okay in that matchup. Denver, I know everyone said, hey, they played them really tough last year, and I, I, I think they do defend Jokic and, and, and use Rudy on Aaron Gordon um, to roam as well as any team in the league. So I think it would be a good series. I don't I don't think I can pick them against the Nuggets right now, but I like that matchup. The one that I really don't like, Ryan, is New Orleans. New Orleans, for whatever reason, just really gives these guys a hard time. Brandon Ingram is not bothered by Jade McDaniels. Zion Williams looks like Zion Williamson looks like Charles Barkley when he plays against the Wolves. And so that's one of those matchups that is, I think, scary for the Wolves. But a lot of the ones near the top of the West. I think that as long as they're healthy, as long as Mike Conley is rested and ready, I, I, I think they they favor they match up favorably. Were they mocking the Clippers? I saw the story and I mentioned it a, a bit in my open yeah. too. Was was there anything real to that, or was was it just something that I don't know one guy on the team said and nobody really cared? 
it, it was a little half-hearted, Ryan, um, but it, it it had history behind it. Um, in the first game of the season that the that the uh, that the Wolves played the Clippers, uh, Rudy Gobert airballed a free throw, and um, and the whole Clipper bench could be seen laughing like uncontrollably. Westbrook was really they they, they had a fan that was kind of uh, filming Westbrook during that's right. while Rudy was Higgins. He was turning his head away and and kind of mocking. Uh, Rudy that way and then um, the the Wolves did not take kindly to that Rudy Gobert did not take kindly to that and so this last game in LA there was a report uh, that that someone heard a few Wolves saying these guys are old and during the first game against Kawhi Leonard almost you know called him an old man a little bit and it was kind of a playful jab but I think there was something behind it these guys have now gotten to a point where they don't like when other teams make fun of Rudy Gobert. He's their guy now. And and so they are pretty united and they do believe that they are younger and that um, the Clippers are too old to keep up with them. And so, yeah, I think there's some real trash talking going on there. Anthony Edwards kind of usually leads the way in that regard. The Gobert 180 is, is pretty incredible. Uh, <laughs> I still don't like the trade because of the assets. Um, and at the time, you didn't really know what you were getting with Gobert because I think there was an argument to be said that it was going in the wrong direction and he was expensive and you have the lack of flexibility moving yeah. forward on the finances for Minnesota. So I think there's a lot of parts of that. But when you're just looking at the player and who they are right now, it's really worked out. And if you go back to not even a year ago, he's punching Kyle Anderson in April. Mm-hmm. And the thing I saw is it felt like people were on Kyle's side and not on Rudy's side. And I kept thinking like, I don't think the Utah guys loved him. You know, I don't think he and Donovan Mitchell loved it. He wants to touch the ball more. Mitchell was just over it at some point. And now you have winning solves a lot of things, John, as we know. But how did this turn into something where it feels like this team now has his back in a way they didn't before? Yeah, from last season, the frustration, the tension was palpable around the team. And it wasn't that they hated Rudy Gobert. It wasn't that, you know, they, they just didn't get along with him, but bringing Rudy Gobert into a new situation when he was used to having everything surround him and being built for him in Utah uh, was an adjustment for everyone involved. And it was very unconventional what they were trying to do with Gobert and Towns in the front court. The first couple of months of the season, Ryan, last year, um, it was a real grind and the offense was difficult transition defense was slow and plodding and Rudy had come off of you know international play going into last season and he was a little banged up and so he did not play well he was not moving the same way that he did in Utah the turnovers and things are always going to be there but it was an ugly game to watch and I think that there were players that looked around and said we gave up all of this for for this guy and he's not the defensive mastermind that that he's been purported to be and also on offense he's been you know a real tough watch in terms of catching the ball in terms of converting at the rim and all of those things and so they struggled they went through it and and they were being asked to do something that most teams were not used to playing and and I think that talking to Mike Conley about it about both with his time in with Rudy in Utah and then now here in Minnesota, he said that it takes a full year for a team to figure out how to play with Rudy Gobert. And Rudy has talked about it as well, 
the adjustment of leaving the one place he had ever been in Utah in the NBA, uh, having a, an entire organization built around him to having to assimilate to a new uh, a new setting with established players here that weren't going to just bend over backward and change everything that they were going to do for him. I think that was an adjustment for Rudy. And there were times last season where he was a little on the stubborn side about what he wanted to do defensively, needing the ball offensively, all of those things. And the numbers really supported it. He was not the impact player that uh, that he was used to being in Utah. And I think all of that kind of bubbled to the surface with tension. And you saw it with that Kyle Anderson confrontation right before the playoffs. Flash forward to this season, Ryan, um, I think there's been a little humility that has been involved with Rudy. He went into the summer knowing that everyone thought that he was washed up and everyone thought that he was not worth this huge price that the Timberwolves paid for him. And he got himself in fantastic shape. He came into camp healthy and he came into camp willing to compromise a little bit on some of the principles that had always been important to him defensively and offensively. And so once the Timberwolves saw him give a little ground, I think they were willing to give a little bit of ground too. And now he is back to being an absolute monster defensively and dominating that way. And so now there's just more respect also that has been won over you know, within this team. They see how impactful he is game in and game out. They see how much they're winning. And that has helped a lot of the, you know, thaw a lot of the ice that was there last season. And it's a whole different environment. Towns and Gobert get along great. Ant has really kind of accepted him and and is now becoming one of his biggest cheerleaders. And I just think everyone has relaxed a little bit. And so um, they've found a way to meet more in the middle rather than kind of dig in their heels and want to do things their way specifically. It's made a huge difference. Yeah, when he is rolling, I mean, the thing about Rudy that I've always been incredibly impressed with, um, because, you know, everybody wants to touch the ball, and it's just not going to work with today's game. And I would also argue there's probably too many times where he gets the ball where I'm like, well, what happened there? But, but he moves so much for a center, the amount of times he will come out screen rescreen he will come way out to the ball and he'll roll you know like he he stays as active as a big guy as there is in the league without any of the rewards and you know i'm not saying he completely abandoned that last year but when you're not having fun you don't think anybody <laughs> likes you and all that kind of stuff like you're just you're a little less likely to run out to 30 feet to set a screen in the third quarter of a game when you're tired when you're like this isn't fun and no one likes me so it's it's been cool to see because I think it kind of starts with Ant, which is where I want to go here. We could talk about the moves, how unstoppable he can get at times. The first quarter last night against Portland, he gets his 40. You know, I even wrote it down at three something minutes left. They're up like 19, and he's getting in a full defensive stance against the ball handler. And I'm like, what is th- and that's just all of these things that I love about him. And I think beyond his game or matching his game, because it's probably better to say it that way, is his personality. Mm-hmm. That you come in, and I'm sure Cat wasn't like, wait, now I'm deferring to this guy. Like, look at my resume, or at least my numbers. 
And, you know, same thing with Rudy. And of course, Mike, I think is just really good at any of this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, Jaden probably would like to take a few more shots, but Ant has to balance not only what the team needs from him from a statistical standpoint, but what the team needs from him to be the face of this franchise at such a young age for a team that has like real expectations, that's very hard to do. And the fact that he's pulling this off, I think is as impressive as anything we've seen in the league this year. It's it's such a delicate balance, and you hit it, Ryan. I mean, we have seen it not work when Jimmy Butler came in and was supposed to share the spotlight and be co-stars with Carl Anthony Towns. That did not work at all. The two personalities didn't work. Um, Jimmy wanted to do things his way. Carl wanted to do things his way. And it just totally imploded. Um, But the emotional intelligence that Anthony Edwards has is really off the charts, Ryan. Um, The way that he makes everyone feel like they are the most important person in that locker room while he knows he's the most important person in that locker room has changed everything for the Timberwolves. I mean, this, I can't tell you how many times we heard over the last couple of years, whose team is it? Is it Carl's team? Is it Ant's team? Like, and, and that kind of conversation can be really divisive and it can really get into the heads of certain players who pay attention to that sort of thing. But uh, Anthony Edwards has done such a good job of making Carl, making Rudy, making everyone feel like, hey, I have your back. You are important. He always deflects questions about himself publicly toward the other teammates. You know, we'll ask him about, hey, Ant, you scored 40 tonight. Well, yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was the player of the game. You know, and it's that kind of a thing. And so he does not give any impression that he is trying to take this team over. And I think that, Towns has really appreciated that. Gobert has appreciated that. You cannot get mad at the guy. Like he he is like this just super charming, very genuine young dude from Atlanta that that just disarms everyone with his sense of humor and and with his approach. And and people just laugh and chuckle um, all the time. And he just bring puts everyone at ease that way. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns told us a a, a story a little a while ago where. Um, they're in the you're, they're in a in a tight game at halftime. They hadn't played well. Um, you know, Finch got into them a little bit, and they're walking out to the court and trying to figure out what what they have to do. And and Ant just looks at Carl and says, "Hey, Cat, why do they call you Big Purr?" And and Carl just looks at him and just like starts laughing. Like that's the kind of like energy that he brings to the table. And 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 it's just like. Nothing is too big for him, and and he also he wants to take on the world, but he wants everyone to do it with him, and that's that's been a, a hugely impactful leadership quality for a twenty two year old kid. Any other great ant stories? Getting yeah. to know him. All right, yeah. What you got? This this is my favorite one. So we you know you, we see all of the funny stuff, and we see all of the 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 stuff on the court that is jaw dropping, and all of those things, and and anyone can see those things, but. To me, when I started to understand that Anthony Edwards might be different as a player, that might actually be a player capable of putting an entire franchise on his shoulders and carrying them farther than anyone ever thought possible was his rookie season. It's the COVID year. All of the uh, interviews are done via Zoom and all of those things. Uh, Later in the year, 
the the Wolves are in Miami. And um, Edwards was not around for the Jimmy Butler stuff. He was not around for the soap opera and all of those things. But he had gotten to know Carl for, for a lot of that season. Uh, so the Wolves go down to Miami and they lose to the Heat. At the end of that game, Carl and Jimmy Butler are going at it verbally. And, and Jimmy's really getting into Carl, you know, you're a loser, you're this and that. And Carl is, is, is going right back at him. Um, and you could see it on the TV screen. It was, it was very palpable. Everyone knew this was going on. So at the, in the post-game Zoom session, Carl, Anthony Towns, and, and, and Ant sit down together to do it. And um, if you know Carl at all, and you watched him navigate that Jimmy Butler mess when it was happening, what Carl wanted to do was stay out of it publicly at all. He was not going to engage in the back and forth. He does not want to be sort of in the middle of those soap operas and, and kind of see his name in, you know, in those kinds of articles and things like that. He just doesn't like that part of it. It's not, it's not in him. He wants to avoid it. He wants to rise above it, all those things. Um, so I asked Carl, Hey, Hey Carl, can you take us through what happened with Jimmy at the end of the game? And Ant is sitting right there. He's 19 years old at this time, 19. And he steps in and says, they're just grown men, dog. This is just two grown men going at it. It's no big deal. And I just, I followed up and said, yeah, and I'm just trying to figure out, everyone's under trying to understand it. And he squashed it right there and then. And so he understood in that moment, the history between Jimmy and Kat. He also understood that Kat does not want to engage publicly in these things. And so he's like, I'm taking the bullet for him. And you could see how much Carl appreciated that in the moment. Um, and, and it was such a high emotional IQ type of moment for him. And I looked at it and said, okay, like this kid is, is on a different level that way. And for a young guy to understand it and, and to really step forward and take it and just diffuse the whole situation, I said, there's a real chance for this guy. Every time I, I look at Kat's numbers, I go, you should love this player. Mm-hmm. And I don't. <laughs> uh, I look at some of the drives, and then I'll look at the points per possession on drives, and I go, "Pretty good number." Mm-hmm. Wow! Like there just seems to be this disconnect that I have, where I go, "What I see," and then what I look up after are two different things, and and I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe. You know, I'd, I'd like to think I can trust my eyes enough at this point. Sell, so sell me on Cat. Yeah, I, I would say this. Um, you know, look, one thing that we have discovered through nine years now is he's not the number one overall pick that can just by himself take over games and win games and win playoff series. Like, that's not who he is yeah, he's not on the LeBron level that way, not doing things that way. But I do think that for those who don't see him every day, I think there has been sort of an unfairness in the way that he is viewed because um, the amount of turnover and turmoil that he's been through in Minnesota has been real. I mean, you're talking about, I think the, the number is seven head coaches and five general managers in his nine seasons. Um, and, and, you know, untold number of teammates come through that have not been very good and not have been around him. Every time he has a, a talented team around him, 
they go to the playoffs. Now he hasn't had success yet, but uh, in the playoffs, but this looks like maybe the team that can break through. He's hyper efficient offensively. I do think he has done a very good job this season of acclimating to a new position, to a new star that has come in and essentially taken his spot at center. And how many all NBA level players would step aside willingly and allow that to happen and just also be the guy who passes Rudy Gobert the ball more than anyone else. Um, so he's a he's a good teammate that way. Uh, he he now over the last couple of weeks, we have seen him up his three point volume, which has helped the offense quite a bit. And I think that he's always just been a player who wanted a group to stick together, stay together, and be together for several years. And he has never had that stability. And so if he can be in an environment with Chris Finch as a head coach, with Ant as his running mate, um, and keep that group together for three, four years, I think you're going to see a different Carl Anthony Towns. And we've started to see that this year. He's playing better defense than he ever has before and doing it at the four. Um, he is looking for others and getting others involved, and he's still remaining really efficient. He's not perfect. Uh, he has he he gets too many offensive fouls. He turns the ball over too often in some high leverage situations. We see him get excited and 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 have difficult nights. Um, but I think overall, um, he's a much better player than than he's gotten credit for over the years, just because of all the turmoil around him has made it difficult for him to realize the full Carl Anthony Towns. I'm a huge fan of, of Tim. Conley and, and Matt Lloyd and Finch and and this group that's together uh, obviously know how I feel about Ant and look uh, you know what Alexander Walker has meant in spots what Nas Reed has meant and even though I think Jaden's offense can drive me a little crazy um, and some of the offensive numbers there late in the fourth quarter the efficiency is twenty seventh in clutch it's better it's nineteenth. You know, the great thing about the Clippers game is it didn't get into clutch time. You know, like it, just, <laughs> That's right. it just didn't matter. So it still concerns me. But I think, I mean, this is what, what you want to hear when you think you're competing for a championship. But I think the win in all of this and the year one of, of this version of this team with these kinds of conversations, the fact that this is where we're at with this team, if they don't win it, it's like, okay, but you've elevated into that. Now, look, the playoffs, if it ends up being disappointing, the people are going to say, oh, they were frauds and all, all the stuff that goes with all that kind of... So there, there's a moment here already that's happening that I feel like is a win for a franchise that hasn't been in this neighborhood for a really long time. And that's why I think everybody should feel really great, but not necessarily content. I'll end with this. Do you actually think they can beat anybody and in, in win an NBA championship this year? Um, I, I do. And that sounds just mind-blowing for me to say given the 20 years that I've covered this team and all of the dysfunction uh that has happened with them but I I, I do think that one of the their their faults right now I believe especially offensively are addressable they turn the ball over too much um you know they they the shot selection later in games ball movement it gets really stagnant I think over these last 30 games that they play they can get better, not maybe top five in, in, in the league in offense, but I think they can creep up into the upper half of the NBA in offensive efficiency, which when you couple it with the defense that they play, I think that's a good recipe. I also just look at their starting five, 
And I just see a team that very rarely is going to go into a series or um, even a nightly matchup where they have a talent deficit. I think that, you know, they just have a really good mix of high end talent that fits, that is starting to figure out how to fit together offensively. And if they address some of their offensive issues and clean those things up, then yes, they can absolutely win and against any team that they play in the playoffs and go to the championship. Can they win that? Who knows? But um, just to say those words, Ryan, um, in these parts is completely mind blowing. Now it is also a team that could lose in the first round. Like that is, that is where they are at right now. And because of the lack of success that they have had over the long term, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. You can't just say, oh, yeah, the, everything's going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. They have to actually show it. But this is the first team that I've covered that I believe actually has that potential. And it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me to see them playing Boston in the finals in June, which is, again, like a it it. it, it reality is distorted it seems like when you when you when you put timberwolves and finals in a sentence together i loved what i saw from him on monday i've loved yeah. what i've seen from ant throughout i love the defense and you can tell this team really likes them uh likes each other a lot uh john awesome job ready for years you can read his stuff the athletic john krasinski covering the timberwolves now for two decades thanks for the time this morning You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. That is the email. Get them in. Couple follow-ups couple follow-ups. Uh, we had one guy checking in saying, don't have a question, but tell Kyle if he wants to ask a life advice question, he could submit an email <laughs> like the rest of us. He knows Noted. I wouldn't do that to you, Kyle. Thanks. Any update on that? Today's the day. By the way, happy Valentine's. Yes, happy Valentine's, everybody. Um, oh. Not yet, but she's going to pick them up at the airport, and I'm going to run out and grab something. What, a couple a couple reebs? <laughs> Uh, no, but, uh, I don't know. I, I like the idea of a rose bear. We're going to, I almost guarantee she's going to have nothing for me because I've been with her the last couple of days and she has not made any, uh, secret runs to buy anything. So I think I'll be the, I think I'll be the winner of this one, but, um, I don't think I'm going to go crazy. There's some, uh, I, there's been some rose bears at Seven Eleven lately, uh, for, Really, a lot love, cheaper like than you would think. Bear from Seven Eleven, you know. Well, how is she going to know? It's not Seven Eleven brand, but um, Seven you Select. Check it. It's not Seven Select. For some weird, <laughs> you know, there could be some weird. Like, check it for fentanyl. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got you a fentanyl bear. Yeah. Just to spreading awareness. Yeah, I bet you could get that for a nice little price this afternoon, late this afternoon. They're like, who else is buying a bear? Day of. I think actually right. probably These a decent are, amount of people. Yeah, day of. Probably tomorrow there'll be the big markdown. Yeah. I will say I've I, asked my wife multiple times, hey, you didn't get anything from me, right? Like, or you didn't get a card, right? I just wanted to make sure multiple times to have it on record. Uh, I did buy my wife flowers yesterday, two days ago. So I kind of feel like, you know, we're not, she, she's, she's pretty low maintenance in general, but I think I'm good there. Oh, so you're going nothing. 
I got her flowers yesterday. Oh yeah, yes, flowers, flowers. So yeah, in you know, front of it, I, I picked up some groceries. I picked up flowers on the way, and you know, there you go, nice little rose bouquet. Okay, so Kyle, you do not know what you're doing tonight yet. Still, you don't know if you're hosting a party. You don't know if you're supposed to like. Dinner's got to be off the table here, unless you want to go at five thirty or no. I think we we, right? we agreed on the um, Christmas take story, out. you know, take out Chinese, all that. So I think that's that's probably what we'll do tonight. Okay, cool. All right, sounds good. Uh, okay, what are you doing, Ryan? <laughs> uh, going to see Tool. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and Solo? the funny. Um, no, I. The funny thing is, it's the guy uh, who's bringing me is, is bringing his significant other. So I was like, okay, and third wheel. yeah, I've I've third wheeled it. I think there's a pretty good chance they may think I'm not even into women. I don't know because uh, I've hung out with them four times, and uh, I I just I don't know. I mean, like I don't know how many women I know are like, do you want to go to Primus tonight? Do you want to? <laughs> You know, like I just went to fish and I went by myself and then I, I went to this other tool thing that was awesome. And actually a couple of buddies came to that with me. So that was fine. And then my brother was in town. It was his first concert ever. And we checked out this Les Claypool thing. Uh, and I was trying to explain to my brother because we were backstage and I was like, just understand, like, this is not normal. Like what you're getting access to is, is really cool. My brother, you know, concerts are sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, is, is it normal just to walk around and like high five guys and stuff and be on the side of the stage? Be like, nope, it isn't. So, uh, I had sent out a couple feelers about the Tool Valentine's ticket, and guys were just like, "What? What, what are you fucking from outer space, man? Like, there's no way." So, so I don't. You, I you had no... the extra tickets. I had the extra ticket this morning which I didn't really quite realize. So I did a couple more feelers. Don't email life advice or DM me asking for the ticket. Cause I'd rather I'm not bringing a stranger and it's no longer my ticket. Anyway, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So, so you have no mental block of, of third wheeling. Some people are like, I can't, I can't be the third wheel, but you've said you've done it so many times. It's not even a hang up. It's just, it's a small I'm not consideration. Even remotely, well, yeah, look, there's some, there's certainly some <laughs> yeah, people yeah, sure. that if I didn't know them, I wouldn't want to actually go third wheel it, but right. But it's I mean, not, I got a thought. I got invited to <laughs> I got invited to Vail this week to hang out with a couple. <laughs> and I hmm. was like Whoa. tempting, but probably a no. You know, I don't know. So I don't I don't do it out of like a necessity of engagement of like, oh, I have to but there's also certain people that I'm so close with that I don't think mm -hmm. it's it's a big deal. And by the way, this other guy bringing his significant other to Tool, this isn't going to be romantic anyway. So me <laughs> standing near them yeah, sure. at Tool isn't going to... Yeah, they're like, I don't think they're going to want to cuddle and be like, I can't believe he's here. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say because, you know, I think Sarah Walsh has talked about this before. It's like, it, like when you're the third wheel, it doesn't... You don't necessarily... You're not necessarily the third wheel. Like when you're with Matt, Sometimes Sarah's probably the third wheel. She's just the one being like, cool, guys, you're just going to like hang out and talk. Right. And I'm just going to hang out here. So, yeah, just, you know, just because you aren't dating one of the other two doesn't mean you're the third, third oh, wheel. Oh, so maybe you created some third wheels. Interesting. Well, full transparency, up. the Colorado couple are Sarah and Matt. They were like, oh, why don't you just, they were <laughs> so like, why don't you just fly to Vail for <laughs> yeah. the weekend? 
and great yeah you know, i don't know maybe she was like cool i can shop and hang out yeah. and hit up the high-end places in cherry creek on the way out and you two idiots can talk about you know i don't know whatever it is you guys talk about she was fascinated by us because i'd be like do you want to just go to the mall and then we come back we neither of us have bought anything she's like what do you do <laughs> like we go to GameStop, we ask what's new for rpgs but we usually don't buy anything we look at sneakers but you know if you're Little going lids. to if you're going to those spots, <laughs> you're not getting the you're not getting the hard to get stuff. Maybe there's a food court stop. You know, Abercrombie. Uh, we Shit. have an email about Abercrombie, by the yeah. way. But the reason we did it was simply just to feel alive. Like we just wanted <laughs> to remind ourselves of when you were younger, and you'd be like, "All right, here's the plan. Like, got to see you with the new sneakers. Like, dude, these Durants. I think I'm gonna move faster in these. You ask the GameStop guys because they're just incredible to talk to. I still I miss doing that. I yeah. wish, but I don't. There's no really service like a, a passionate GameStop employee. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Like, well, what are like, you hey, into? It's like, <laughs> like what? yeah, right, right. Hey, is this game any good? Uh, do you want to hang out with losers for twelve hours where a story goes nowhere? <laughs> you know, I forget which game it was. I, was it something of Colossus? Kyle, look this up. Shadow of Colossus, buddy. You're. Already, I think it, I already know. Is it Shadow of Colossus? It Incredible. Came out, yeah. Maybe it, it, like. Oh seven, oh eight, yeah, and that you rode right. around on a horse. But the, if yeah. the horse ran into a mountain, you would get stuck just riding into this mountain over and over again. And yeah, so a lot my of glitches in PS two. Yeah, there was a ton of glitches. And I remember my friend who didn't like video games randomly liked this one. He also likes the worst television shows ever. He sucks to watch TV with. Sucks. I cannot emphasize that enough. Every fucking ghost show in the business, he's on it. His name is what Tim. was that? Right. And, you know, you'd be watching like a game, a playoff game could be on in the commercial break. You'd be like, let's see what's going on with these ghosts real quick. And, you know, next thing you know, 15 <laughs> minutes later, you're like, dude, we're missing real action. Be like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So anyway, he didn't even like video games, but randomly he was like, I was like, dude, you got a PS2? He's like, yeah. I mean, he goes, I got this game. The guy was telling me it's incredible. It's the worst, worst video game I've ever played. Anyway. The graphics right. were incredible for the time. I'll leave it there. I don't, I don't know. I don't, At maybe the time, I think that was pretty good. What are you calling it? Shadow of Colossus. And you, had to, you were riding around on a horse. It was a lonely game. And then you'd find one of these big fucking Titan things. You had to climb it. Was it was the loneliest of games. It. It yeah, was, it's pretty it, lonely. Honestly, I'm surprised I didn't like it more. But I was I was had more <laughs> friends back then. Uh, Abercrombie is all caps back. No comps. Stop using my Peloton. Oh, stop. Um, he stopped. He stopped. Yeah, but there's no past tense on this, so I think that's what he meant. Using my Peloton as a clothes hanger one two times a month. Oh, I see what he's saying there. Stop. All right, he Cerise jumps correct. on the bike a couple times a month. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Teddy Santis, founder of. Uh, what is this? Amy Leon Dor got involved with Abercrombie a few years ago, and they've been back ever since. Okay, so shout out to Abercrombie. That sounds like a forty-five dollar gift card, perhaps for Saruti coming. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's what his wife got him. I got a tweet about uh, a sick waste management uh, open T-shirt, and it looks great. I almost bought it, and I was like, "Wait a second, what am I doing? I'm going to consider it, and I like, and I'll, I'll come back with a clearer head." But it, my immediate thought was, "Buy that shit." Uh, there's really some some nice. Some nice collabs that they've got going. I know. I, I feel like I might have to go to Waste Management one more time after this Armageddon session. <laughs> yeah, what where happened? I saw they stopped serving alcohol or something. Some I saw some guy just covered in mud stumbling around. And then everywhere. they kind of turned it into a kind of cool social promotion thing, too. Like, that was their actual account that tweeted that. Like, we're cutting off sales because some people don't know what it means to drink responsibly. It's a wild time. But I went two years ago. So I went in 23 when 
the Super Bowl was in Arizona, so it was super easy. So I've never been able to go. The only two times I've gone are when. Um, and look, I even brought somebody to one. So this uh, this whole deal, let me think now. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I need to get one more run at it, although we were really, really tame. Like you see how wild it is around you and your instincts are almost like Actually, I don't want to fall down in these <laughs> sick white slacks and and do all that stuff. But we had a good setup. But I may have lost my in at Waste Management to be uh, hosted as an influencer. Although I don't know that I did a ton of influencing. Maybe you pump out the boat content and we'll get you back into the good graces. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, why Why is it? Real quick. Why is that the one where people just pull the ripcord? What is it? I Scottsdale is a, a party town. Like I tell people, we've done it on the pod. Like you're... 30s 40 maybe want to meet somebody but still like the nightlife a little bit like you get a little coin in the old pocket i would just say move to scottsdale just but why that, is that the open why is that the one where people are like we're just like every golf is pretty tame normally right it's usually like there's very like unwritten rules people understand yeah. things they dress nice and what the fuck happens when this thing happens every year i don't understand i will say i i think golf in general has become a little bit more of a party scene like even the one that's in connecticut it's uh the travelers like it's a good time <laughs> an, they call it the east awesome coast time. waste management maybe that's what yeah i haven't heard that but maybe uh but like i know dudes that just go there and just get hammered and it's fun and i mean it's, it's not like you know mardi gras like it seems like waste management is but it's a good time i just think i don't think you do that at the majors necessarily but like i think a lot of right, golf okay. are sneaky they're sneaky closer to nascar races than you think they are <laughs> wow great take I like that's it. just always been i don't know like the true origin story if it was just understood but there's also this group called the thunderbirds that kind of like run the whole thing and it's been explained to me but i'm still not 100 percent sure on how it works and there's like passwords and then one year i had a password and i think i got the asshole password where the guy like laughed when i came in and i was like what does that mean and he was like oh that he's like i'm not supposed to tell you but that means we're supposed to like not give you the you cool don't get a wristband. Yeah, and I was like, cool. Who gave cool. you the password? Whoa, that's cool a- prank. Um, we're not going to bring that up, okay? Because sounds like you might have already said too much. If you want to get back in, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know if these like big swinging, you know what, that just sort of run all the shit in Scottsdale made sure that this was an absolute party because then these guys like walk around and they have like this. It's not like the it's not like they're wearing robes or like pagan shit, but they have <laughs> these outfits. And again, I'm not I'm not educated enough on it. But then when I was there the second time, they were like, "Are you, are you with the Thunderbirds? And are I'm you like, in the Thunderbirds?" No, I was like, I don't want to. I don't know what happens if you say that you're one of them and you're not. You know, I could still be there right now. Who knows? But right. you'll see them kind of like walking around, and the, so I don't know if those guys are with. The PGA just said, hey, or maybe it was just the 16th hole was wild and that was kind of the wild thing. And then it just spread, you know, like wow. contagion. I don't know. I don't know enough. All right. We haven't even read an email yet. Not one. So. Crazy. Oh, uh, we'll make them quick. Five nine one sixty forty 40 years old. I lift power block dumbbells in my basement. <laughs> I love that. Don't know my, I have power blocks. Don't know my max on anything, but I do chest press with 45 pounders. Basketball comp is Matt Bonner. You would never pick me in three on three, but I can be valuable in a five on five game. 
I saw an ad in an email this morning from IHOP that it was National Pancake Day. You get a short stack of pancakes. That's three pancakes for the uninitiated for just $1. Since my wife was going to be working late, I told my kids eight and six, we'd be going to IHOP for dinner. Everybody was happy. We walked into IHOP at 530. The server comes to our table, asks if we want to get started with drinks. I say that I'll have a water and ask the kids. They also say water. It was the morning. I would have, uh, if it was the morning, I would have gotten coffee, but it was the evening. So I didn't want the caffeine. Totally understand. Kids taking pre workout at six o'clock, not understanding why they can't get to sleep until 3 a.m. That's not in the instructions. I'm trying to help you out. She asks if we're ready to order. I point to the National Pancake Day sign. I tell her we'll have three short stacks. Remember, they're $1 each. Who's in the mood for a stack of pancakes right now? Just reading about them right now has got me thinking Always. about it. Yeah, pancakes are just the best. And then when you make them at home, you're kind of like, why am I not doing this every day? <laughs> um, okay, so I ask three short stacks. Remember, they're a buck each. She asks if that is all. I say yes. She asks, uh, asks if I want to keep a menu in case we want something else. I say okay. A few minutes later, the service bring, uh, server brings us the pancakes. She asks again if I want anything else. I say no. We start eating the pancakes. Server comes back over two more times to ask if I want to order anything else. She finally understands we're just there for the pancakes. My kids eat two pancakes each, so I eat the remaining five. Um, I ask for the check. She brings it. I use the IHOP app to pay. This guy is fucking locked into IHOP. Wow. <laughs> I tip 20% without thinking about it. It ends up being a 60 cent tip. The total bill wow. is less than $4. My mm. friends are ripping me apart for under tipping the server. I say, hey, I tip 20%. They say I should have tipped a dollar amount unrelated to the cost of the meal. I say restaurant tipping is based on percentage of the meal cost. Is there a minimum amount? What do you all think? Um, yeah, there's a minimum amount. It's above <laughs> yeah. sixty cents. You might as well yes. give zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> worse. Give forget is better. You might as well die in a ditch at that point. I the the problem is, is her, Yeah, if they if they left, yes, <laughs> because the problem is this is her Black Friday as well, right? That's the other issue. Like yeah. this is her like that she's just getting mobbed with people like this all the time, and 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 she didn't even say anything to you, so that's nice to her, uh, nice on her. But yeah, your friends are right. Uh, I I, I under, if you're just going to various restaurant chain apps to pay uh maybe you maybe it just slipped through the cracks if you're just like if you go boot up the buffalo wild wings app or the tgi fridays app and you just streamline this whole thing and you're 20 percent, i bet a lot of times that's you're one of the better customers but uh you you fell through the cracks on this national pancake day and um i don't know i might even have gone back <laughs> just be like hey i'm sorry i'm so sorry lisa there's still time uh, here's a 20 there's still time yeah, uh, this is one of those those gray area things where the non gray area people on this be like, well, look, that's their promotion. And I tip 20 <laughs> percent. Right. Okay. And it's like, yep. And you're Save a it. fucking dick. OK. Yeah. Save it. Sorry to swear. But but I just, you know, and, I, and you may not have thought about it or whatever. And I'm not even calling the emailer this name, but I'm almost preemptively arguing with the people that would make that point and be like, yeah, exact. I know the math. I understand. I understand your point. Hey, if they didn't want to, why should I be paying IHOP more or whatever? It's not about IHOP. It's not about yeah, profitability. It's not about a boardroom. It's not about a CEO. It's about a girl that's working at IHOP. Okay. Which is probably not her final destination as far as her career goals. No offense anybody hucking pancakes we get it right um johnny cakes but you got to do better than 60 cents and your friends should be making fun of you and you shouldn't be thinking like for the dinner going hey i came in under four bucks for a dinner for three two kids here <laughs> i i don't know if you feel bad or don't feel bad or or whatever but i i don't 
I don't think this is how we should operate as a society because you've been thinking about her making 60 cents on a table. And yeah, I know the turnover is a little quicker at IHOP than it is at SW Steakhouse. Okay, <laughs> I understand these things. Carbone, there's a bit more of a ambiance to the entire experience when you're dining in Vegas. But I don't think there's anything else to be said here. Uh, and I'm not even, like, like I said, when I was getting more tuned up here, it was about the emailer that will say we're wrong for right. saying he should tip more than 60 cents. It's not even, I'm not mad at the emailer. I'm mad about the imaginary arguments that I can predict that will be coming. I just did a little research. The short stack regularly is 849. So mm -hmm. you get three of them round up. It's like five bucks tip, you know, like that's at 20%. So you're, you're, all you had to do is give five bucks. That's it. It's, yeah, it's so, not so Go it's ahead. not that you were wrong. Like I'm sorry. It's, it's not that like if you just if you just forgot in the app and like you screwed up, it is okay. Move on. Like I'm sure it happens. It doesn't mean you're an asshole. This means you're an asshole. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you're like if you get a huge discount at the bar that you go to or something, you don't tip on the ten dollar bill when you know you've had fifty dollars yeah, worth. Of I drinks. wish we did. I wish every. I wish there was a bartender summit where it was like, hey, the whole point of hooking each other up here is to not then pay way more based on the tip thing that we all have to do with each other. But I remember we were all like, can we just stop tipping each other absurd amounts, knowing yes. that it's all going to even out anyway? Like all we're doing is stealing right <laughs> john taffer's going out of his mind right now uh i don't call it stealing when when ownership is friendly with other ownership and it's all understood if i owned a bar i would be like hey i get it i would rather you you know work it i will monitor it and then i feel like you're killing me i'll never forget like one place i worked at and again the guys that bought it ended up being like really good friends of mine i was like look we all kind of have some parameters that we work with here how do you want me to do it? And the guy was like, I want you to keep doing everything you've done. If you give guys dollar drinks, give them dollar drinks. If you knock off something on a tab, whatever, just keep doing the exact same thing. And we're going to monitor every one of you guys. And then after a month, we're going to be like, you're out of fucking control or you're <laughs> fine. And so, you know, so you don't like it when John Taffer is like, you know, last night, these people gave away $5,700 over a month. It's it's 100,000 over a year. It's two million. They're killing giving away your family. 50, <laughs> the bars that they rescue, there's no possible way they've given away $5,700 worth of value in a, in a night. night. I've, yeah, I've seen know. those dumps. There's no yeah. fucking way. So that, I mean, look, it's a TV show. It's all exaggerated. You know that I philosophically have some issues with some of the changes made during bar rescues. Um, but I... I remember working at a different place. It was more like a nightclub resort thing. And I was like, what's the story? And again, I was so young too. And this female bartender that used to aggressively hit on me, she was like, hey, uh, it's not our liquor. We don't own the liquor. And I was like, so you don't ever give somebody a drink. And she's like, that's stealing. It's not ours to give. And I was like, fucking lame-o, <laughs> you know? And yet there's people kind of back to our IHOP thing that don't want to live in the gray area that are very rigid with 20 percent forever I, right and look you, you start getting into tgi fridays where you have you're pouring through a counter and everything's absolutely what are your liquor costs and everything and this is how much is going on i don't know um i was brought up differently with it so whatever i just would know that if my dinner bill were three dollars and sixty cents before tax or with tax that i would probably <laughs> Wait, it would have been even less than that. Say 10% tax on this. So what are we talking? $3.30, 60 cent tip. <laughs> Leaving five bucks was not going to ruin your financial yeah. planning. Okay, uh, moving on. Can I tell my daughter's boyfriend to man up and not be the B word? 
Hey there, 63250 late 40s Midwest dad. Hoops comp was Luke Longley. Um, as a dad rock fan, the recent comps to Jeff Tweedy of Wilco hit home. Oh, and as a dad of, okay, Jeff Tweedy. All right, there you go. This one is probably more for Saruti and Kyle, but I need your advice. What? My daughter goes to a Big Ten school in the state we live in. She's a senior. She has a boyfriend who's generally a pretty good kid. I, I can tell he's not a total dick by the way he acts. They have dated for maybe two years, but I may have been the last to know. All right. Okay. Sounds like it's pretty serious. And they probably didn't immediately tell you right away. Um, we, you know, I just <laughs> met a guy at 2 a.m. last night. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to love him. <laughs> was at 50 Cent Drafts on Wednesday, made out with a dude. Dad, well, how was your day? Uh, all right. As graduation is approaching, she's been accepted to a graduate program on the West Coast. He's been offered a job at a major Midwest city at a big five accounting firm. From what she has told my wife, she does not 100% want to break up with him, but is looking forward to being a part and having some time to herself after graduation. Whoa. Over <laughs> Christmas break, is. he started hinting that he could turn the job down, move west with her and find a job. She said that is not what she wanted. Since then, he seems to become an ass. He told her over the weekend he was not making Valentine's plans because, quote, she was just going to dump him in a few weeks anyway. <laughs> I gotta respect it. <laughs> I kind of like yeah. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> she said he was kind of an ass at a Super Bowl party when he heard she was doing Valentine's Day with the girls and he stopped by her apartment anyway. Psycho move. Bad yeah. move. Um, as I said, he is generally a pretty nice guy. It seems like he's being a little bit of a dick is going to preemptively cause a breakup uh, that is not what my daughter wants. I have his number because we've he's texted about sports and stuff. Can I tell him to stop being an asshole? I think I have his dad's email somewhere. Can I email that guy? <laughs> no, no. Can I try and hunt down a buddy on Facebook or something and ask them to do it? I don't want my daughter to be miserable for the last months of school, and he seems to be doing this. Thanks. Um, by the way, Kyle, your move on Valentine's should be surprise breakfast at home, get bagels or egg sandwiches or something. It's like one fifth of the cost and looks like you were being thoughtful. A little late for that, but Damn, we appreciate too late. the sentiment. Shit. Tabling that until Valentine's 25. <laughs> uh, Have you talked to know. your daughter? Has he talked to his daughter? I, I mean, he hasn't mentioned. It sounds like isn't he gets this all you're just like secondhand. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like that conversation. <laughs> well, maybe he's like, they've chatted about it, but this guy wants to get real involved. Thoughts? I think I wish he had said if he talked to her or not, because isn't this where you just like sit her down and you're like, hey, everybody goes through this. This is basically like high school heading into college all over again. You just you break it off and you might as well just do it now. Why are, why are you going to drag this out? I think that's the best advice you can give her instead of hunting down this guy's uh, dad's email and be like, hey, uh, I haven't talked to you since the fantasy league, <laughs> fantasy league yeah. or whatever the fuck, since we did the squares. <laughs> the email already knows. Like it, yeah. the Facebook part of it is him just kind of making joking. fun of himself. Right. So I think we realize he's got his head in the right They're place They're 100% headed for the rocks, right? They're going to break up. And so I think somebody needs to talk to the daughter. You don't you don't accost a boyfriend, you know, and uh, and and say like, hey, you know, you're being an asshole. You got to get get away from her or whatever, because he's going through this weird thing where this girl that he's pretty sure doesn't want him. He's on the he's on the feeling bad side of the relationship. So you got to get the you know the daughter's in control, right? She's got she's the one who's leaving, yeah. and he's the, denying him, you know coming with her so that's why you got to tell her like hey this is a band-aid rip-off situation just do this now i don't think you you don't want to this guy's already don't kick this guy when he's down he's he's having a hop he's ruining super bowls and galentines and um yeah you got to get your daughter's head straight yeah i'm not i'm not like blaming the daughter for this but she clearly wants the best of both worlds here she sounds like she wants to have him as a possibility but also like not rule anything out when she gets out to the west coast which 
which plenty of people have done throughout the history of college and relationships and whatever. It's not, it's not, I don't think there's anything really wrong about that. It just, this guy's in a shitty situation. I, 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 I kind of agree with Kyle. I don't think you, I don't think you kick him while he's down. I, I think you just kind of got to let it ride out and see how it goes. There's a chance it's going to break up anyway, and it's not going to really matter in the long run. And is she really not like if he's such an asshole for these last like what month or two, like maybe that just speeds the process along a little more and she just ends up breaking up with him because she's just tired of it. So I, I, I don't think you say anything. I definitely wouldn't recommend emailing his dad. <laughs> That's, that seems like an aggressive move. Hey, your son's being an asshole. Um, don't yeah, bring any third parties Your daughter's leaving and is probably going to yeah. cheat on him when she goes to the West Coast. So you're the asshole. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of wouldn't, I, I know it sucks because as a dad, listen, I am a dad, uh, you want to do something, but I just, I don't think you, there's really anything reasonable you could do here. Well, if you're going to do something, you have to at least talk with her about it first. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Give her and, some sage advice. Yeah. The dad to dad stuff's not going to work because he's going to take his kid's side most likely, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just turns into something that you didn't even want it to do. Like yeah, I, we're on the emailer side here, by the way, except how hilarious it is that one line being like, whatever, we're just going to dump, dump me in a little while anyway. But like, look, clearly this guy's a little too dependent and your daughter's more independent. And this is where relationships can get really weird with this stuff. I mean, luckily I went to a school where nobody ever wanted to marry anybody else. So I didn't have any friends that were necessarily in these conflicts. Um, even though, you know, later on, a couple of them reconciled and everything was good and everybody lived happily ever after. But, you know, the fact that your daughter is like, hey, look, I need this stage of my life to be a little figured out. And, you know, you hate being on the other side of hearing the if it's real and if it matters, then we'll find our way back to each other. And for some people, you're just not going to be I know back then I'd be too immature to be like, oh, you're just going to hang with some other dude for a little while or multiple dudes. And then now three years later, you're going to come back to me or whatever. But that's just kind of life. Some people are incredibly mature about those things. And it doesn't even sound like that's necessarily what her plan is. Like, I need to get away from you. It's that I want this next stage to be about my career and this awesome opportunity. And this guy's starting to sound like Finn from The Sopranos, where it's like, so you're just going to do everything because of what she's doing, you know? And then you're going to say dumb shit like, you're just going to dump me anyway. Um so he might be self-sabotaging anyway to try to somehow process getting through this and making it feel like he has more control uh, than your daughter does. But if you feel so compelled to do this and understand too, we don't guys don't listen to anyone during this phase of their lives. Right. They don't fucking listen to anybody. Okay. I mean, some of the best advice I ever got was back then. I was not hearing it. I didn't want to hear it. I wasn't going to listen to you. You know, fuck about your theories on life at 40 something years old. <laughs> You know, <laughs> just so, yeah, well, you already, yeah, and you already know that. So you could have the best intentions. You could have like a, a soft sign off from your daughter on this. If she were like, yeah, he's really driving me crazy and all this stuff's kind of bad. He's like, hey, man, I have a decent relationship with him. Could I just be like, hey, look, look, we got to, he's not going to listen to you. He no. didn't, you're a, you're a fucking dinosaur to him. Okay. Even though there's nothing hotter than a Wilco slash Luke Longley type guy in his late forties <laughs> in the Midwest. They're just you're you're entering into a conversation with somebody where you just go the the kid is not going to be like sir excellent points across the board. <laughs> Do you I think you'd be interested long- in a yeah. mentor situation? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm no longer emotionally charged about this, and I'm going to look for opportunities here back at home. And if say la vie, you know, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you're basically getting dumped effectively by her and him and the dad. Yeah, <laughs> like both yeah. of them are being, hey, dude, this is a tag like, team. Tone it down, like it's going to come to an end here. Mm-hmm. I will say this is totally separate from from what the dad is asking, but 
from the guy's perspective, who's basically being broken up with, it would suck. Like for you know, you're in college for two, your last two years of college. You date this girl, and you think that like it's going somewhere, and then she just basically is kind of like leaving you once you guys graduate. Like that. That is pretty shitty. That's such is life. I know it's life, but like it sucks. That would that would suck. Yeah. Like, what cool, if the what guy doing the last two years? What if his advice could maybe he could just give advice on how to break up? Maybe it's like, I'm wondering if the reason this is you're still going on because you just you're not you don't have the stones to break this kid's heart. And maybe I could maybe you can give her some ways to get out of it, because that could be the other thing. It's just easier to not in these situations. It's but easier to think- just not until the moment where it's like I'm getting on a plane. So maybe you could just be like, give her some tips. It's like you could go, the you know, my the Kyle way. You could just start a pick a nasty fight and be like, well, then let's just stop. Let's just be done. And that way you don't have to be like, you know, I'm really not into this anymore. Then you just it's a one it's one flash in the pan and it's over and nobody knows what happened. Or, but maybe I'm or, reading this wrong. It doesn't sound like she, it doesn't sound like she does totally want to break up with him. She just doesn't know. Well, maybe she's saying that because she doesn't want to have to fucking do it. That's what everyone would maybe. say that doesn't want to do it. You maybe, know, she's already, I, she's her breadcrumbs are what that uh, I'm going to go. No, you shouldn't come. You should do your thing. Uh, we'll be fine. It's all good. Like that sounds like we're just kicking this can until it's like, well, uh, sorry, but I think, I'm gonna I go. think plenty of people in this situation have have been like, I want the comfort of being able to go back to something. Uh, and if I get out there and realize that I, I definitely don't want to be in the relationship, that's great. But they still want the, the fallback plan. So that, I don't yeah. think that's out of question. And I don't, like, like th- that also sucks, too, man. Like we, I think you got to get to the bottom of that. Look, I think those first breakups are are the hardest breakups. Yeah. Okay. Because you haven't gone through it yet, and you kind of are talking to yourself into the fact that you think you're being an adult, and especially if you're somebody who wants to like move, and you already found the person in college that you want to marry, like that's a really hard. So to the dad, like, you know, this is probably the first time this guy's ever really going through it. There's this element of like you've experienced comfort in a way that you've never ever experienced before. I mean, unless you were one of those guys that has like the super serious high school girlfriend, but that's such a smaller number than the college experience or that very beginning. Like those, like, think about this. We got guys out there with three kids, the wife leaves cause she just has been watching the housewife shows and wants a different life. Okay. And now all of a sudden your kids are being watched by some guy, Jeff, five days a week. <laughs> all right. And you're writing a check every fucking month. That's going to go on for a really long time. And, that guy's handling a breakup way better than some like 23 year old dude. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. That guy's defeated. Yeah. yeah. That guy's like, all right, I've already had some shit happen to me. So hopefully this Jeff guy's into sports and play <laughs> catch with my kid when, when I'm on another business trip trying to cover this fucking check. So, you know, for the 22 year olds that are out there getting dumped, think about, think about that guy and this guy, Jeff. <laughs> hanging out with his kids <laughs> all right i think we got it yep thank you to cliff kyle and saruti we are back on friday with what are you doing friday feedback no we got denny hamlin friday Fourth oh Daytona. denny hamlin you're home for nascar the ryan Rosilla podcast ringer spotify
Must be 21 and older. Present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 